is Saturday, the 16th of January, 2021, and this is episode 389 of Digital Outbox. Welcome back. Welcome to a new year. Welcome to a new lockdown. Welcome to Digital Outbox. I am Chris. Ian is here as well for a new year, new you. Good morning, Chris. Yes. How's things? Um, I've actually found this year quite sluggish. I found it a difficult start. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> it's broken my phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I guess because we all thought it was going to be a new beginning and turns out that viruses don't care about New Year's either. They don't care about new beginnings. Um, well, funnily enough, I, 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 so at some point we'll listen to the experts. It's, it said don't unlock over Christmas because the virus <laughs> doesn't take a break. And boy, boy have we found that out. Yeah. So we're in lockdown, but the news does, doesn't stop. Um, but, uh, you know, we've only had... Gentle things like an American Revolution. Um, <laughs> but, but I guess in the tech world, we you know we we haven't had a great deal of stuff. Obviously, they do their normal pre-build up to Christmas. We ended up with news stories, but a lot of it wasn't really sort of new releases. Um, but we've got CES, which is always our key that we'll be back on the airwaves reporting back what's going on there. But let's get through through let's get through the news uh, that's happened since uh, we last spoke at the end of last year. Um, and we'll start with the fabulous and highly predictable news that the government's aim to get 85% of the UK uh, ac- with access to gigabit-capable broadband by 2025. Uh, looks like, well, MPs are being warned that that is just not possible. So the people response, but they're p- apparently only 20%, 25% of the original 5 billion funding is going to become available. Obviously, in these... Um, strange times we're living through and all the budgets that are all getting readjusted and changed um, but it, it, it's disappointing especially in the arena we're in and especially given the where the place the 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 world is in now around you know needing to online services that this hasn't received sort of more priority funding i guess agreed I, I, I mean we, we, we've talked about it often enough and we always bring in things like hs2 and that you know the, the sheer you know money pit that that is um and and I just I just look at this and you'd think you know so so I get I get that they might be missing a target the target's you know four years away now I was going to say five four years away, um, but it would have been better to say yeah we're not meeting this target, and what the last year has told us is how important this is you know you know whether your business you know the whole digital learning online you know the the fact that you know I think the first lockdown and second lockdown kids it was very much a keep them busy. Whereas the schools have now got its proper homeschooling, you know, and I think that's what a lot of people are now realising that, that you're, you, people have been asked to be teachers, they're, they're using the internet all the time. I, I know a couple of people at work and it is actually disrupting, you know, it's, it's not, well, I don't just mean the time's disrupting their their work, it's actually the bandwidth, they just don't have enough. Close, close you, know, an, an, you know, analogy close to home, my sister is just starting a new job and her two kids are obviously at home homeschooling. Mm. BT um, broadband haven't managed to get them a proper connection. There's something going wrong along the way. It's just, and, and they're in they're in Cornwall. It's not necessarily you know a massive uh, you know hub of of everything, but nevertheless they're having to work off of a, uh, you know a Wi-Fi uh, sorry a dongle 
while they try and get all these mm. things sorted. It's just how important yep. having yep. an internet connection is when you've got two kids trying to do homeschooling, you've got someone trying to start a new job and therefore joining meetings and all those kind of things. It's just not working. So it's, it is vital to keep people working and, and the economy moving at these times. Uh, and relatively speaking, if you think about all the contracts we've been talking about recently, five billion in funding is not a lot. Uh, impacted as well by the fact that all the the you know the mobile companies are having to rip out um, Huawei technology out of their yep. kind of technology stacks, so that's costing them a lot of money to do as well. And they've been told they have to do that, uh, so they reckon that's an additional two billion to do that that process and that job. So yeah, and, and some of the just on five G. I mean, some of the five G speeds that I've seen around Glasgow since I've got the iPhone are you know superb. You know, really, you know, you look at the speeds and go, wow, that's a that's a fantastic home broadband solution. Yeah, but not where I am. It's actually the they're, they're only a little bit faster than four G, and the down sort of the upload speeds is less. So and it's, and, it's and I'm guessing the more people use that, the contention rises. And I don't know the technicals of that and whether it is contended, but most networks are. So I imagine that that will slow down as more people get the technology. Yeah, but I was surprised at some of the speeds around, you know, city centre like Glasgow. It's like, oof, that is a, a really good option. You know, I mean, a fantastic option. You know, it was better than it depends a lot of how the much hardware needs to be out in the world to do that, and whether that's yeah. cheaper to draw a wire and a cable out to a village, or whether it's cheaper to have mast linking technology all the way out to those those places it's well, hard was, isn't was, it it's probably a balance lots, yeah there was lots of people saying 5g is probably the better option for some of the small places rather than trying to you know flood it with fiber flood it with 5g yeah apart from it obviously you know gives you covid and all that kind of good and stuff. I, <laughs> and I, yeah and they get burnt down when they put them up i, I guessing overall it is just it, it it would be really good to feel like it was in good hands and there was a really good core of people looking after and controlling that process because it is of national level importance it's not it's not something i mean you, you obviously the leaving it to the private sector they will go for the option that makes them the most money and the most return for investors and that's not the that's not necessarily the best thing for the country but there you go um, yeah, it's a challenge of that nationalized versus you know really private and, and and i you know i just see you know and access is a you know, is up there with water and electricity now. Is that that key a service? How else will we watch Netflix? <laughs> well, you're certainly not going to be able to watch your Adobe Flash players anymore. That has, <laughs> in a story that probably has been going on longer than we've been doing this podcast, and that is saying something. Um, it is now finally laid to rest. We have gone through the whole kind of process of when Apple first started banning Flash all the way through the, the process now to the where... It just doesn't exist anymore. It, you know, uh, I think there's finally all the browsers have, have cut that sort of functionality and Adobe has now stopped its backwards compatibility. So there you go. Um, I, I don't know whether it's a sad day or not. I mean, it was Flash was really important for the internet at one point. Um, the internet was a very drab and boring place until Flash came along and, and injected some life into it. Um, but 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 now we've got other technologies and, and it was it was never a safe technology to use in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the whole, the whole flash thing. It, it, you got me thinking there just when you said it's probably been rumbling on since before we started. So flash has been longer than the podcast, obviously, and it was a great technology. You know, it was there was and it just you know the content, the games, you know the the interactivity you could get from it compared to you know HTML five and just just or not even HTML five, just HTML, just web. I was going to say um, it was probably four point one at the time or four point oh one. Yeah, but um, I'm just checking. So episode forty four. 
back was, in, it, was that when Apple first chopped it? Yeah. April 2010 was when, so, so Apple had, you know, it wasn't part of iOS and people were saying it wasn't part of the iPhone launch and people were giving it real big dings about, you know, substandard. Because I think, I think, was it Jobs kept on saying it's a full web page, it's not this WAP kind of thing. And lots of people were saying it can't be the full web unless you support Flash. And that's when he did his letter to Flash. And it was back in April 2010. And it was a bold move at the time because it was so widely used and it was Thoughts so widely you know, used as part of that, you know, the, the interactive elements and the fun elements of the web, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and, and video think, elements of the web as well. Absolutely. And, and I think there were a lot of dings around the iPhone, but it was when the iPad came out as well because you had a far bigger screen and there was lots of people going, come on, why is Flash not supported? Especially if you're a content provider and everything was in Flash. You know, it's a massive market and a massive opportunity just gone. And it did take, well, I mean, that's, you know, what, 10 and a half years? I mean, the writing so it's was just the been the longest death. Like I say, the, it, yeah. when I said it was the length of this podcast, what I meant is the death throes of Flash have been pretty much the length of this podcast. And and that shows how long tail it's had, uh, although really hasn't had any relevance probably for the last two or three years. I, I, I so I've never noticed it because I've made sure I've had Flash off my machines for a few years now. Never, never... It's, uh, Flash and, and what was the other one? Was it Real Player? Was the mm. was the other thing? There was yeah. lots of like, audio video content. Never had any of them, but there was on a, I was on a BBC site. It was a news site, and it linked through to an old page. And I clicked the video, and it says you cannot play. You need Flash installed. And I was mm. like, oh, it's still around. Yeah, and it's yeah. still. Uh, I guess you, you know, for these companies, there must be a huge amount of content still yeah. sitting on on that format. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> like I said, at the early in the early throws of it getting chucked out, it was there was definitely an uncomfortable place where HTML5 hadn't been taken up. We didn't have video solutions. We didn't have ways of showing media then in the web, and that did cause some problems. And that was what that was the biggest shouting point at the time. But like you say, for all these back catalogs, um, whether you can remux and all those kind of things from these formats into a new modern format, yeah, I guess there's yeah, just yeah. It's, someone's got to either decide to convert them or not. And it's and to me it's like Apple killing things like floppy CD drive, you know. It's like there's that there's like a, you know I don't want to say I, it's not a year or two, but there's that uncomfortable period where you're like I'm being forced to do something different, yeah. but the different generally ends up being better, you know. So, but it's just that aggressiveness round. You know, it's like no plugs in the phone, you yeah. Know, when you buy a phone, now, <laughs> no and, ports on your laptops. <laughs> it, yeah, you know, and it's and it's like you know you know. We all joke about dongles, but what a third-party market that's created. Yeah, yeah, you, the number of them <laughs> out there now is um, unbelievable. And I'll, yeah. and I'll just say thank you for the amount of cables that you have ended up rebuying. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Singapore has uh, given its police uh, reign to look at the data collected by their COVID tracing app in criminal investigations. So this was always a concern. And it was always the kind of argument around that there's different models you can use. And, and Singapore and, and a few other countries went down the model of, yep, full central collection of data. Um, and then the Apple and Google said, right, we're not supporting that within our operating system. We'll do it via these decentralized sort of check back services. Um, and, you know, it, this is the first news story we've we've covered on here about a government or, a you know, a uh, you know a, 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 what's the word i'm looking for country a establishment a, an authority looking at that data and using it for other purposes other than contact tracing around a disease spread so it's a you know it is just a honeypot of data 
And if you're looking to, to you know, criminalize or understand criminal situations, you can understand how desperately useful that data would be. And it seems like Singapore are one of the first to jump and say, yep, yeah, we're dipping into that data whenever there's criminal uh, cases. So we, our, our police will be able to tap into that data and use it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We we talk about it every time we talk about, you know, data and privacy. This is always a fear from the, you know, privacy campaigners and, and, and folk that realise that, you know, things change, you know, governments change, you know, so every five years we have an election here and, you know, who knows what government will come in and say, actually, that's a, that's a good set of data that our police forces and, you know, other teams can use. It, it, it's just, yeah. Which is true. Know, it would be an incredibly uh, yeah. useful tool, but yeah. equally... It means that you're surveying your population uh, exactly. in every single movement in every single play way, and you know, all, uh, there's there's all the arguments of well, if you're not doing anything wrong, then there's nothing to worry about. But equally, that is people react different. We, there's loads of studies to show as soon as you get surveillance, people uh, get ill from <laughs> from uh, from that and it, the, the underlying uh, suspicions. Uh, yeah, and, and and there's also there is that you know people don't want big brother you know when. You know, in, in some of the work that I do, we want to do things around, you know, track and trace and looking after people. But there's a fear of this is the, you know, this is corporations looking at what I am doing day to day, which where it pains, you know, it's, it's not. But there's always that sense of, yeah, but, but is it? <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. just, there's just that, you know, you might, make, you might see that today, but what's to stop you in a year's time? You know, because something else has happened going, oh, there's, there's a nice set of data that I could use for this now. And that and that's exactly what this new story is starting yeah. to to show that that might well happen and and I guess the 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 argument of Apple and Google about the decentralized approach means that there is no opportunity to do that. Um, there's no way that you can get them to pull that data together. Um, but it but it comes with downsides. The the fact that um, Singapore has shown how effective their trace track and trace system is with this application. They have got like eighty five percent usage of this application and it works. It works for them, and you know, so it's just it's the ups and downs, isn't it, of that that kind of side of our lives nowadays. And Singapore was great at the start because they were one of the first to to, to stand up an app. They, they they shared it, so other countries picked up in the same code and said, "Well, there's no point, you know, us developing this." So it's just, yeah, you know, will this ripple through a few other countries now, and hopefully not. Netflix is going to increase its um, costs. So you're going to see your subscription costs rise, uh, they say, to cover the cost of content. So they are moving from $11.99 for their top package to $13.99. And their sort of medium package is moving from $8.99 to $9.99. So (laughs) I guess everyone's in lockdown now watching a lot of Netflix uh, they've seen numbers rise. They've seen a really healthy growth in numbers coming across to the platform, but they're putting their prices up, which everyone is saying is a it's never a good time to put your prices up, obviously. And they've only done it a few times in the past, but each time it has caused a bit of a stink. And looking at the numbers, I remember signing up to a five ninety nine Netflix account, and that's not that many years ago. And now I'm being now I'm paying fourteen quid a month. You know, so it's it's more than doubled in the time that I've used it. And do I use it and do I get more than double the the life out of it? No, I don't. So the, again, they're going the way of the skies and the whatnots of this world and becoming this <clears throat> central place where they're trying to hold all their users and all the content. And 
I'm worried that there's going to come a point where I go, I'm just not the the bits the the new stuff you're chucking out. I'm not interested in, uh, and there's very little of this I'm actually watching. It's going to get chopped again, um, uh, and I think that's the, that's their risk at the moment, right? Yeah, I agreed, um, and and I think the, the sky analogy is perfect because we all we're all I'm not seeing all, but I guess there's a few of us that realise, oh, I'm paying you know sixty, seventy, eighty quid, you know, for Sky a month. And you look at it and go, what am I getting from it? And there was a rise of, there was first Netflix, and then there was Amazon Prime, and then you had Apple, and you're just looking at it going... And they were all around Fiverr. You know, they were all around that Fiverr mark. Yeah, Disney Plus came out, you know, so they all want, because they all, and the problem is, I'll be honest, there's too much content. Cannot watch all the content. But equally, you do want to see the kind of top two or three from each service, and that's what they're banking on. You know, so Amazon's still banking on that you're not really buying Amazon Prime for the telly; you're buying it for the, you know, delivery service. And you know, the the, the telly on top's nice because you get, you know, you might get some Premier League football, you might get a season of the boys a year, and there's a few other good, you know, Prime shows on there. But then it starts to tail off. Netflix again. I think there are some really good shows on there, some really good documentaries, but there's a massive library. Um, but it's just, is there enough when you look at well, it, when you've got <clears throat> Apple coming along as and well? The, and the problem is people like Amazon it's... are going down the sports route and that's and football is the biggest cost in that arena. Yeah. And again, if costs go up on Amazon because of the football they're bringing in, it's not part. It's it's the big thing I objected to in Sky is paying. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Most of my service subscription was to pay for the football, yep. and I didn't even have Sky Sports. You know, the reason Sky is expensive is because they have to support the sports budgets, and I'm not interested in it. So, it, and again, so and it looks like at the moment, um, it, it is Amazon is differentiating into that sports market, um, and they've got a tie in with Eurosport and people like that. Um, but yeah, the, if if Netflix go that direction as well. And put the prices up again because of it, you know that that it's get they're just pushing themselves into that arena of I'm not interested anymore. Yeah, the Netflix one's interesting because to me they've done sports documentaries really well, yeah. and they've done you know so there's F ones on there and there's the, there's a the whole load of you know you know football and you know American football, rugby, you know really good documentaries around you know you know basketball and all that good stuff. But I don't recall them doing anything with live sports. I might be not wrong. Not yet, and not that I remember seeing at the moment. You know, yeah. Amazon feels like the first one that's really stepped in and gone. And, and with the money that Amazon have got, I guess Sky must be looking at it going crap because yeah. they. I mean, Amazon, and I know people were people were saying like, oh, the player collapsed and stuff, but they were they showed they showed like you know, I think it was was it eight nine games all at the same time. And I'm, you know, all, and all really good quality. I was going to say the quality has been quite praised quite highly. Of being yeah, yeah, a really yeah. good streaming, and, and it had you know all you know because a lot of the folk that are working for BBC or Sky are actually contractors. They can actually go and work for somebody else. So there was a a really good you know there's really good teams behind all the games, and it generally worked well. And it was like ooh, that's that's really interesting. You know that they can, they can and, and again you went to Amazon's. Amazon.co.uk's front page that the day they were showing all those games, it was like, here's all the games tonight. And you're like, wow, that's quite powerful. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see the next, you know, and and again, all it's going to do for me is it'll put prices up one way or the other. Sky will go through the roof to pay for, to keep football. Mm. Um, or Amazon will come in and pay an, an extortionate amount of money. Um, 
So and, and some will be willing to do the lost lead again, so they'll have then a debt that they have to recover back, and they'll do that through their yeah. subscription model. And, yeah. and, B, and BT did that, so BT was pretty cheap but over time. They've went up and. You know, it's, it's all that incremental price increase. We'll see it with Disney. Yeah. I think Disney's going up later this year. I think again, another thing that I think um, would adjust that is you know the top level of, of Netflix comes with um, what four screens you can watch on. Yeah. Um, but the only reason I really have the top level Netflix is because I want to watch in four K. I don't yeah. need four screens of four K. I just want one. So maybe they'll start thinking about sort of separate packages which adjust well, that bit. What will be interesting is they've not really punished people sharing accounts. No, that's true. So, yeah. So but... that that will be an interest because if they did that, I I know lots of people maximising the one person paying for it and it's all getting shared. Mm. So that would be interesting because and I think they're kind of relaxed about it because they feel they're getting and I mean they, they they had a thing was it two weeks ago they said here's all the movies coming to Netflix it is one at least one new film a week. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm not giving credit. About. I mean, obviously these things cost a lot of money to put together. But what yeah. I'm saying is that they're getting a, a heck of a lot more people joining the service, and I, obviously they have a, a weight aspect to the the data transfer. But nowadays they must have optimized that side of things quite a lot. Um, to, you know. Anyway, <clears throat> I think we've covered that one up. <laughs> Fair good thing. We never like a price rise, and they need to be careful because it's getting to the point where I'm really questioning that. Um, so, Donald <laughs> Trump. <laughs> Nothing's Who? happened in that arena, in Who? America and the presidency and all that since we last spoke. But Oh, other than a riot and a revolution. Um, all the social media platforms have been trying to figure out uh, what to do with Trump for a long time now. From On one hand, they've repeatedly not liked what he's been saying and inciting. On the other hand, he's the president of the United States and therefore... Uh, censoring a person who is the president of the United States has some very, very serious things. So bravely, bravely, they have mostly been stepping up in these last two weeks in the final throes of when they <laughs> they could get away with it because really there's a weird vacuum of power at the moment. They decided they will chop Trump. And first of all, Zuckerberg said that he's going to ban... Well, I don't think this is... It was Zuckerberg the first to ban him, but they banned him for about two weeks. Um, yeah. He said, or I said, indefinitely, but for at least two weeks until Biden takes over. I think, I think it was on. So it was all round, you know, when the, the, the Capitol was attacked, and yeah. it was that that whole, you know, we love you response, but please go home. That was, I think, the breaking point, and it was also that day that, you know, eventually Trump, you know, not Trump, but Biden was confirmed, and it was accepted. That was when so. You know, Facebook, Instagram banned for at least the next two weeks. And then there was real pressure on Twitter to do something. And eventually they fell down on that side as well to say, yeah, it's done. You're done. Uh, and, and yeah, so it came down to that kind of, firstly, they all said it's a temporary ban. And even he came back onto a couple of the platforms. But then Twitter eventually said, nope, you're right. We are going to stop uh, Donald Trump from having an account. And he has since tweeted against the POTUS account, which he hasn't actually been using, <laughs> um, <laughs> hasn't been using. So he, uh, and there's going to be issues around that. I don't know whether they'll temporarily suspend that account as well. Yeah, um, they just deleted the posts. So within like a couple of hours of him starting to use that, they were like, deleted. So used. obviously then the the big shouts and in fact, it has been a lot quieter, <laughs> but um, there were moves over to, Parler. Parler is the service we've talked about a number of times. It was designed to be a complete free speech 
Twitter alternative where it was effectively ended up, it, it was set up for conservative voices, but with the yeah. pretense that anyone could say anything. But ultimately, it's where the radical voice moved to when they weren't allowed to make their voices heard on Twitter and, and general social media, just like they're not in the TV media. Yeah, uh, so, so, they, so, so I think a lot of the conservatives said it was cancel culture. You know, so, the, so Twitter and Facebook were drowning their voices out or not sharing things properly. Parler was open to anybody. You could see anything. Um, turns out you the, could see anything. And, 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 and that's the downside. <laughs> so, so I think that the, the kind of straw that broke that one was um, there was actual, you know, we need to, because Pence wouldn't go through with what Trump says he could do, there was people on Parlist calling for Pence to be murdered. So, yeah, um, there was all sorts of violent and, uh, and yeah. hate speech and threats. And, um, you know, and, and basically Google Play said, uh, you're, we're going to ban you from our platform, remove you from our platform because you do not have moderation technology that allows you to deal with these uh, call for violence and, and hate speech uh, posts you don't have the ability to be able to moderate them and obviously part of this whole pretense is it's no it doesn't it doesn't do any of that moderation uh, the app store follows you know along shortly saying your service does not meet our requirements of you know uh, being able to moderate and control your own content you are responsible for that content um, and yep they they got suspended from the app stores and, which and didn't just... kill the app at that point no, but just on that. So the the one thing they did moderate was they eventually removed the pens murder. You know, I don't want to call them tweets. I don't know what they're called in parlor, but the the statements that people parlays. So hey hey, um, you're probably right. Um, but they eventually moved them, but it made no difference because it was just that you know it's you know some of the some of the screenshots that were coming out of that that you know social network were horrendous. You know, just the way people were. And it was the, the 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 amplification as well. So that it was the amount of um, you know the, the amount of reposting of those and support of those. It wasn't just like you know because you could put it down. Is that just one crank? And again, somebody could argue that our left wing cranks went on and made some ridiculous statement mm. that they and because they won't censor, but it wasn't. It was getting hugely you know reshared and supported. That's the that was the kind of horrible bit. It was, and and the same with a lot of the capital. Attacks. There was a lot seemed to be driven out of, you know, the parlor content, and here's what we need to do, and yeah. And then it wasn't long after that. So that obviously not being in the app store doesn't stop you installing it necessarily on, say, unlocked phones or whatever, but it does severely restrict your uh, out outlook. But then AWS, effectively Amazon, put the nail in the coffin by saying, uh, you, "We are not going to support your servers. You are not a welcome on our." hosting and, and cloud platform um we again our terms and conditions say that you cannot support or in any way uh you know amplify hate speech or threats of violence and, and whatnot um so they pulled the ability and obviously that means that parlor now has to rebuild somewhere else and and <laughs> and they're they're saying they're going to i believe um but but nevertheless it's a big you know uh, i guess in in some ways, it shows the power that these social media platforms do have to censor, <laughs> and they have chosen in this case to censor these or these massive platforms and these massive things. It's, this isn't government censorship; this is companies censoring. Um, and I guess, in some ways, that is a worry, depending on your point of view and your your position. But equally, it shows that um, you know 
we do still do have some control and some methods of of of, of quieting um you know voices of or dangerous voices it's it's, it's we've, we've touched so I, so I think you know so some of the activity that happened in the last week should have happened for me months ago you know there's and that's and that's i know some people will be like well they, they can't do that because it's free speech but some of the speech is is dangerous but we also see that day to day on twitter and facebook and other platforms maybe just not to the same level you know amplification we get you know particularly maybe celebrities um you know do get death threats you know there are people calling out for you know this person should get murdered i'm thinking back to years ago when we had that um was it the robin hood airport and the mm-hmm. and the bomb kind of thing you know it was like kind of throwaway comment that just got you know hugely amplified and then it was like no you're in court over this and it was out of context so again it's back to out of context speech what you're just you know i'm a bit frustrated and i'll use some words <laughs> turns into a You've made a threat against a you know a bit of UK infrastructure, and we're going to jail you. Um, but I just feel I, I don't know. So I think the action that Facebook and, and Twitter took should have been. I mean, I guess Trump's status as president gives him that was the complication that all the way along. Yeah, the it gave, gives him more rope. But some of this, some of the language and stuff he was doing was has been awful for months. And I guess when they realize when they finally. Because he's never really accepted defeat, but when they finally, you know, said right, it is going to be Biden, that was the that seemed to unlock, I guess, a lot of legal concerns that maybe each of these companies had around mm. either killing some of these networks or banning certain people, because it just seemed to be a floodgate of all the tech companies saying right, we can do this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I'd, I don't have a particular challenge around you know something like Parler getting shut down. That to me is you know people call Twitter toxic. What do you what do you call that? It was not. I don't. Well, call the, that the a free data speech network. Yeah, the data got scraped um, by someone after you know <laughs> during the throws of its last throws and and yeah, some of the content in there it was it was it was groups of people organising further armed assaults on you know yeah. you know things and 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 there's nothing to say that that's not now happening out of the view, but at least it's not happening where people you know. It's it should be difficult <laughs> for a group of so, people to so, so I guess organize the challenge themselves. Probably that. now is there's a whole load of um, there's probably a whole load of Telegram and Signal groups with thousands mm-hmm. of people in it, probably still doing the same. That are all end to end encrypted, but they're not getting the same amplification. But the, but there will be an underground, you know, you know, way of communicating. There's no way that that just disappears, and you know, the, you know, Twitter and Facebook have kicked. You know, a whole loads of QAnon folk off their networks. Um, Reddit, I've been, I've been trying to clamp down on. You know, lots of content because it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's. It was a pretty dark day. Was it the seventh of January when you saw what was happening in America? You're like, he's, he's, he's out of control. Yeah. You know, the fact there was no big armed response either made you think there's something more afoot here. Mm. Um, and you compare it to you know some of the pictures now of what they're having to do to kind of protect. <laughs> You know, you know, an inauguration next week. It's, it's well, that's so many, like so many things, you know, that that we've seen recently. Places where we didn't think we needed protections, or because common sense would rule, or because you wouldn't yeah, yeah, ever imagine yeah. uh, the American people <laughs> storming, storming their their center. It just it's all those kind of things. We we see it quite a lot nowadays. That there's often a lot of freedoms where you just don't think people are stupid enough to do various things, and and. I guess we're now proved that 
ultimately at some situations things like that do happen yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm racking my brains to like you know because lots of people have said we're locked down in uk you know people are going to rebel eventually and and, I, and i'm not got to be honest i'm not really seeing it right genuinely the majority do feel this is a serious situation and they're being responsible about it people are frustrated people are down people are depressed but they're not they're not out you know hitting the streets and well, to, what I would say though is that pockets. we're still seeing we're still seeing you know uh, you know transmission, and that is coming from somewhere. I guess we we're in the period I, yeah. now where we're seeing what the effect of but, but what, is. What, what I was trying to go back to was if I think back to was it was it was it two thousand and six two thousand and seven when there was those riots across the UK, particularly in London, you know, and there was like night after night of you know just people going out and ransacking places and setting things and fire, and you thought this country's out of control. It just it was like. Mm. You know, a, a switch got flipped there, and then it all quietened down, and it and it feels like you know it feels like America right now is in. I, I mean, I don't know if we'll see they, much. They this probably week. will look back in a few months' time and go, "My God, that really happened." Really, the shock yeah, of it. Yeah. It's. I mean, I'm still reading. I was reading a couple articles this morning, just of you know people are now surfacing some of this the parlor content you've just mis- you talked about because mm. a lot of the stuff that was on Twitter and Facebook was from journalists, and we've seen in BBC News it's journalists. But they're now surfacing the stuff that's in parlour and it's like people from inside and they were attacking the police and you know, it's it's pretty scary stuff what they were doing, you know, spraying away you know, there was there was weapons around and and all sorts. It was like wow, well, this is, five um, people are dead. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. It just exactly. shows how fatal it was. Fortnite is uh, suing Apple and the UK, uh, Google in the UK. So this is Fortnite Maker Epic, so I should say. Epic again. The ongoing legal disputes, even though we've seen some give and take from Apple around their fees, it's still ultimately Epic saying, this is a, you know, this is a a racket. This is, you're taking money and I can't get around. I either accept it or I, or I don't have access to your service. It's like a, it's not, it's not good. Anyway, they are suing them in the UK, uh, I guess. So it's on multiple fronts to see whether UK and potentially, I guess, they'll go to Europe as well to to see what they think about it. I wondered if this was now because Brexit's taking place. You know, is there again is some sort of legal change? It felt strange to do it this week. It was, mm. it was just in the last couple of days. Uh, but it's the same arguments we've covered before. You know, we want our own store. We want to sell our own stuff. We don't want to give Apple or Google money. Or at least, yeah, not automatically. There should be an alternate way that we yeah. can take that money that doesn't involve their pay systems or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, WhatsApp has delayed enforcement of its privacy policy. It's moved it by three months after a backlash from users. Um, and obviously, there were, I guess there were stories going around that this new privacy policy allows them to share data with Facebook a bit more freely, um, which obviously is not uh, something that people want to hear at the moment. Um, generally speaking, it's, you know, as soon as the news get hold of it, whatever, that's that's one of the first things that people talk about. Um, uh, you know, WhatsApp have come back and said, this doesn't change anything from that front. It does allow businesses to work on our platform a bit better. But equally, where companies used to be able to just shove out privacy policies and know that people weren't going to read them, they were not going to scroll through it. You do have people now in these arenas, especially with WhatsApp and other companies that Facebook have bought, where they've always said we're going to keep things independent and separate. There are people keeping a close eye on that. And, and it seems like in this case, um, yeah, at the moment, they're, they're <laughs> there, is, there is that talk of 
you know this is like opening up to more freedom they're saying it doesn't make any difference on and it's not what you're you think it is but nevertheless people are a bit twitchy on it yeah and it's kind of ironic that they're struggling to control the messaging round <laughs> yeah. round the changes and it's a lot of it is just getting shared in whatsapp and facebook you know a lot of false messages as you said and so signal is um you know co the guy that runs signal co-founded whatsapp um and signal is like the number one you know it's the top app in the app store in 40 nations and in google play store so it's mm-hmm. you know it's, it's seen your huge uptick uptick and the um, signal what's his name brian acton so this is a guy also co-founded whatsapp he said the smallest of events help trigger the largest of outcomes <laughs> we're also excited that we have having conversations about online privacy and digital safety and people are trying to signal as the answer to these questions so i'm guessing that in a in the same way that for a conservative voice of extremism parlor was their go-to now it seems like if you're a uh, privacy campaign and then signal is the place that you're heading to at the moment it's either signal or i think is is it um so telegram is the is the other one isn't it that lots of people use and that hit the papers up here in scotland last week because there was a it was a, an easy way of getting drugs there was loads of groups set up that you can just say i right, you know, yeah. give, give me this and and it would get delivered to you kind of thing or meet me here and it was all because it's all entered encrypted um it's so, so again that all made the news and they they turn on and say and, and they, but it was interesting how they they, they characterize it as the russian owned so you, right. you never really see you never really see the american owned facebook or the american owned <laughs> whatsapp but it was russian owned and it was yeah. like there you go welcome to the cold war yeah uh intel is going to be replacing its ceo so uh bob swan who has been there for a couple of years is going to be stepping aside um and pat gelsinger is going to be stepping into that seat so i guess we've been saying recently how how under pressure intel are on so many different fronts but you know massively recently with apple's move away from intel to their own processes the amd sort of resurgence in the processor market with a different slightly different model but but equally now considered to be you know the best consumer um, processors for many many different appliances um uh, and generally speaking intel's lack of innovation and move you know they're they're ultimately they're using the same chips as they were a couple of years ago so it's there's not not a lot that's gone on and so there's been a lot of talk recently about what is intel going to do well they're getting a new chap in at the top um and at ces this year we've had this kind of initial response about what's coming from intel to try and sort of counter some of these these things and it looks like they're putting together a say a new chip architecture uh but as well as coming up with sort of arm equivalents um in you know small uh, very optimized highly power efficient sort of cores that you can stack and together and and use in parallel or serial just you know to to that's a quick way of increasing your power and i think amd really has gone down that route of you know you get one set of cores that you can then multiply and stack together to increase uh, and and it quickly means that you can have a real powerful parallel processing type scenario without without too much more sort of effort um so yeah that and until come out and said that yeah they still haven't said they're having a new um their new sort of micro you know uh the 
what you know the scale of their thing hasn't been shrunk which is another thing mm. that amd have sort of said over the re- recent years they've been shrinking their processes but intel still haven't said that and they're still not moving on with that too much but nevertheless it does sound like they're at least moving somewhere and, and i think the important bit for for me was the if you look at the, the so bob swan's background is is finance you know and that, that to me i think sums up intel it was all about the money side the marketing side Whereas the guy coming in, um, you know, Gelsinger used to work at Intel and he was a CTO, went to VMware. So to me, they're bringing a techie. Because mm. so, to, to me, they fell behind. And as you've described, you know, what AMD have done with that kind of stacking idea is exactly what Apple are doing with their M1 chips as well. You know, it's yeah. just, you know, throw more cores at it. You know, so you've got fast cores and efficient cores and, and slower cores. And as you say, you can stack them and, and, and they're getting really good results and the performance that they're getting out of you know, those first Macs has, has been, you know, taking everybody, not, I wouldn't say taking everybody by surprise, but I think the jump, the scale of the jump, you know, it does feel like that generational leap. Yeah, that, 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 there is something new here, yeah. Yeah, and then, and again, rumours, I know we don't cover rumours from, from you know, in detail, but in the last 24 hours, you know, redesigned, you know, iMacs and MacBook Pros this year. Um, and, you know, the kind of half tower, you know, Mac Pro, all super exciting and you're like, that that could be, you know, because I think it's it's fine changing the chip inside, but it's the it's the actual design of the product. You want to see something different, and um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a real challenging year for Intel. You know, we're, we're eighty months away from from no more Intel Macs. Um, yeah, you know, and as you say, AMD probably in the best place now, not just from a gaming perspective, but. Productivity, they've actually been ahead for a while now. It's only gaming where Intel have actually maintained because of their processor core speeds. You know, so it's it's like you know, fighting in multiple fronts. There's even a rumor last year that that Intel might outsource some of their manufacturing. Um, mm-hmm. Just because they cannot, they, they cannot match what's happening in the Far East right now. I mean, it, when you again, I did a bit of <clears throat> digging around and watching videos on how do you make a chip and all those kind of things. That, oh my goodness, it is, it is incredibly complicated from the design mm. all the way through to the you know manufacturer then there's no phase of it which is easy um so it's it's yeah it's um yeah it's pretty bonkers and it's an, it's an industry where i guess the the, the middle east and, the, and the, the, that those kind of places can you know can can do that really effectively effectively and they've got the resources they've got the manufacturing plants they're able to get the resource you know it just they can do it and it's hard in but, america yeah. But yeah, ch- chips are interesting again because they, they, they haven't been for a while. They've been quite, you know, it was all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just, boom, the last couple of years, it's got really, really interesting. And we had some NVIDIA and GeForce announcements. <laughs> They're announcing another card. Yay. G- <laughs> the, RTX 30, <laughs> the RTX 3060. So they have only just announced the 3060 Ti. Um, but this is the just the RTX 3060, so it's kind of completing their their, their kind of complete run of cards that they generally come up with. Um, it's it's going to have enough memory in it, all those kind of things, and like you say, probably not going to be able to buy it anyway. So what's the point? But it has got all their new technologies on board, and it is yeah. just a scaled down version of the chip line that we've been seeing, which is an incredibly impressive set of chips that you just can't get. And it's it's cheap, so three hundred quid. You know, so you'll be able to get you know ray tracing on games three hundred quid. And again, if you've not, if you've not got four K, um, and if you've maybe not you know worried too much about an ultra wide, this could be a 
you know, a really good good value. We're going to see this chip rolled out into many, many of your kind of standard computers that you're buying. This is the kind of bog standard reasonable for games um uh but but yeah. not the not the you know doubling the price of your unit type of situation no, they also they also announced some like mobile you know graphics cards which again like you say it's just it, you're just seeing that technology now rolling through the line you know so it's now hitting the kind of gaming laptops which i'm never that particularly interested in and always always seems for, a bit... for some people it, it's still a thing but yeah it's yeah yeah uh, Stadia and GeForce Now, Google Stadia and GeForce Now coming to L, excuse me, coming to LG TVs in 2021. Um, initially, it will be on their new launch pro uh, sort of models where when they come out, um, but they have said that it will also go to the 2020 lineup as long as they're running the latest version of WebOS or WebOS. Um, yeah, quite a, a, an interesting partnership there, I'd say, and maybe opens up Stadia to a whole new market because you don't need the dongle. You you know can sign up in in app, and it makes makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I agreed, and and it, I think it just shows the you know, and that kind of, it's kind of dawned on me as I got the new consoles this year that the um, the days of me having an amp are probably coming to an end because there's just more and more. I'll just run it through the telly, um, run the apps on the TV. And it was the Microsoft chief last year that said, you know, we are looking at bringing, you know, the Xbox streaming service, whatever it is, because it's just some daft, crazy name. But but he was talking about how we're looking at, you know, that's an app. That's just an app sitting on your, I can see you try to think, it's like, what is it called again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but the, you know, they're looking at it that it's just an app running on the TV. Um, my only, so my only worry, and it's just because we have both now got LG TVs, they showed a new WebOS and it doesn't look as nice as what we've got right now. It was like a full screen thing rather than a little bladey thing at the bottom. Mm. And a couple of the reviews were like, it was. Yeah, if, was you, if you listen to, to if you listen to the people in the kind of tech industry, they've actually seen WebOS going downhill for a few years now. They've not. Yeah. They've they said it's actually reduced in its functionality and and its its operability and it, and it's certainly lost features because uh, services have disappeared from it um, as and when and, and and are still doing so where they don't renew contracts again because people have their own contracts with other p- providers or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, interesting to see, but I still think that LG at the moment are winning the TV battle. They certainly in sales around their latest consumer OLEDs, they are absolutely nailing it in that front. Yeah, I mean ge- generally the the kind of the, that um, CX range, you know, that came out was just like that was a game that was a TV to buy if you were buying one of the new consoles. Yeah, definitely. You know, even Sony had you know some missteps with their. You know, with PS5 working with their brand new tellies, and I think they've made a commitment that this is the year we've got that sorted. That was one of the things at CES, and it was like, wow, what a what a statement to make after you've sold 12 million PS5s. <laughs> and the kind of big announcement there, we've got the new Samsung Galaxy S uh, phone, so it's the S21. Um, and basically there are two models, the uh, S21 and the S21 Plus. They're all going to launch on the 29th of January, the there's three models i am being informed <laughs> in there's, my... a, there's a there's an s21 an s21 plus and there's an s21 ultra oh okay there you go so they've added it's just my bad brand. show notes so i do apologize so so the um but but nevertheless the big story coming out of ces was these are going to be 200 dollars cheaper so every uh, year yeah. we've yep. seen that kind of step up in price and it creeping up through that a thousand dollars market 
into the $1,200. And now we're seeing that creep back to starting at 800 for the S21 and, and 999 for the S21 Plus. Uh, and they have taken a few hits on some of the specs. So there's slightly less memory on board. Their screens are slightly lower resolution and they don't have some of the kind of curved edges that we've seen in recent um, products. So that, And it's, it's whether... Oh, and they're not they're not including chargers and uh, plugs in the box as you Wait, as so, is so now that, and, that, <laughs> and that bit wound me up because because last year and, and it's just typical of Samsung and, and I guess the mobile phone market that when Apple all the rumors came out and when Apple eventually announced it and says look at the we're doing it for green reasons and look at these thin boxes they were all like you know giving it the yeah we still do it and a week before they announced <laughs> this they deleted their tweets so they deleted all the press and the tweets. And so that, and, and everybody knew, well, you know what's coming. And sure yeah. enough, you know, buy, buy your phone, no plug, no no um, earphones, which had always been seen as a standard. Yeah. You're like, you cocks, absolute and, cocks. And so, yeah, so that, 200, that $200 is not out the goodness of their heart. They have chopped corners and they have chopped yeah. product. So, so that's... I, do, I do wonder if it's a, so what I can't figure out, is it, a, is it because they didn't see the sales in the cheaper models last year? Yeah, last year because they were so pricey, or is it because I try to push more people into buying the ultra, which has yeah. got all the things that have been chopped plus more. So is is that so? That's the angle, is it? The ultra is now coming stepping back in to take back that extra performance. Yeah, and so the, the the ultra has has got the you know, and it starts at at twelve hundred dollars. You know, so yeah, it's okay, up, so it's back you know, to that so price again. Yeah, it's it's back up at that price. Um, it supports a stylus. It's got the screen. It's got the new processor. Um, you don't get a stylus in the box, so it's like an add-on. So again, probably is that a, you know almost like the Apple route. But again, yep. not everybody will want a stylus. You know, ninety no. percent of people who got a stylus in that form would probably never use it again. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's probably the right thing to do. Um, but it's also this when you see the pictures of it, when you look at the camera module, it is it is turning to the old jokes of the back <laughs> the of the phones back, yeah. is just a camera. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but they've also dropped, isn't interestingly, so last year, so the S20 Ultras was a 108 megapixel with a 100 times zoom mode that, that made, you know, that was a big thing. But they've actually kind of stepped back a little. So it's still got that 108 megapixel sensor, um, but they've just they've just dialed back the zoom and they're focusing mm-hmm. more on quality rather than, I think, this, you know, it, we're doing this ridiculous thing that, that everybody's, you know, nobody's asking for yeah. and it and delivery didn't actually work particularly well either it was like you know quite gimmicky yep so there we go that was their their lineup um a <laughs> couple other things just worth calling out so as you say there's no charge in the box they also announced some galaxy bud pros these are the equivalent of like the airpods mm-hmm. um so they are 200 dollars um yes they're wireless they've got the noise cancellation they've got ambient sound they're water resistant and generally they review pretty well. Um, and they've also announced tile trackers competitors. So Apple have been long talked about with, um, I can't remember what they call it, but they're talking about coming up with some tile competitor thing. A tile is a small bit of plastic that's like a Bluetooth tracking device. So you can tag your luggage or tag something else or tag yourself. And if you, you can if figure out where it is, yeah. Yeah, where is, the, where is this thing? Um, so they have, they have brought their own coming out, um, $30. And the Smart Tag Plus is um, forty dollars. So uh, that was Samsung's usual smorgasbord of yeah. 
announcements. Okay, and normally CES is famous for having something it's concentrating on. I did see that there were tons of 8K TVs being touted with, again, no content for them. Uh, was there anything else that sort of stood out? So there was just a couple of things. So there was lots of, um, we saw Wi-Fi 6 last year, but not too much, but it was Wi-Fi 6E was getting touted. Um, there was, a, I think it was four or five different Wi-Fi routers that came out all, all promising 6E was far, far better than 6. You know, talk about giving you almost, you know, the the kind of a wired gigabit connection speeds wow. on wireless. So that will be interesting to see that land this year. There was um, um, gaming monitors, which I I I'd got into a bit last year because I, I wanted a new monitor, and um, and the big thing was um, two point one. So used to my two point one four K, one hundred forty four hertz gaming monitors. That's a lot of pixels. So even like yeah. the thirty ninety will, you know, you'll take a hit trying to. You know, try to push those pixels around, but that that feels eventually because lots of people were saying, "I've bought a console." There's no actual kind of PC monitor that the consoles can properly drive. Lots yeah, of people... that, that was the, that was the issue. They were not fully HD, the HDMI 2.1 wasn't yeah. there, and therefore they couldn't pump out enough data from the card. Even though the card was theoretically capable of it, the monitor just wouldn't take that stream of data, and therefore people found with their 3080s, 3090s that oftentimes they couldn't use the maximum performance of it because they Agreed. just didn't have the. And people were plugging output. in like a Series X or PS5, and yeah. like, oh, I can't find a, I can't find like a twenty-something monitor because not everybody wants the. No, some people, if you're just gaming at a desk, you don't need 55 inch. You Pro, need, uh, pros use regularly, yeah, the t- 24 type inch monitors. Yeah. That's the ideal way you can see the whole screen and don't have to move your head, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and that is the thing. I've got a 34 ultra wide, and and you do feel more engrossed. But I, I mean, I've tried a bit of Halo on it, and and you do have to turn. It yeah. is it is like okay, there is this is not as is is easy and and lots of home virtual gym stuff just by lockdown you know lots of people i, I guess with peloton you've seen fitness plus you've seen Nike, you've seen all these people Th- doing there's stuff. been a they've had ginormous leaps in people using yep. those services and that online and people just developing home gyms people realizing how important the gym is to their life and when they don't have the option to go and do the you know get to the one down in the village or down in the local town they're looking to build their gyms up so yeah i was gonna say horse bolted on this one but actually no it doesn't look like it does it uh, no no it's um and i think i think this is going to be one of the things that 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 probably because this has gone on for so long people are invested in, and yes there's a social thing about the gym so it's not going to replace that but but that's what these services are trying to do we yep. will bring that social element to you and I saw on my Facebook feed the other day uh, posts for, hey, make your gym in the garden. And it was it's yeah. basically, you know, the, the kind of posts you would have seen last year for making office in your garden, you know, don't, you know, it, make sure you have a, a, a kind of hideaway where you can go to do work and, and come back into your home. And, see. and they're now selling those same units that you can get, which are glorified, well, very glorified sheds. They're saying, yeah, put a gym in them. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's marketing, you know, and it, it works for people. So the one, and I, I, so I've got a, I've got a, a you know, a, a indoor cycle at home. That's that's how helped me get the weight off a few years ago. It's still there. What I've seen two different people talk about is Zwift. So that's Z W I F T, and that's that whole, you know, take a cycle boat on our little bit at the back of it, and it's all virtual sessions. You're racing with people around the world, and they've got it is, it's. I've seen it talked about so much. Yeah, I mean, Swift's been around for in the say running and cycling now for a while, and yeah, it's it's probably more of the kind of 
it's more of the Strava of the that kind of environment. Yes. Yeah. Um, whereas Peloton is a very specific, you know, online yeah. class thing. But I think you can hook a Peloton bike up to the Swift service. So it's just that it's that online thing. And it, and it's certainly there's they have proper Swift challenges with racing and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. Clear, so, you know, so, so it's trying to do, they're trying to do like the kind of this is you racing in the real world, whereas Peloton feels like this is you racing in the gym class. You know, and yeah, that's the that's, it. that's the differentiator. But but it's just really interesting how there was so many different you know, again, all these home virtual gyms and you know services. So yeah, that that's CS. There you go. And that's that's pretty much the news that we've got for you this podcast. So um yeah, I mean I hope, everyone, I hope everyone's surviving through uh, our latest lockdown, um, doing their thing, whatever that is. But we'll get there eventually. Thank you very much for listening, joining us back again this year. Um, we will speak to you again in, I would say, a couple of weeks, something like that. I would have thought so. All right. I would have thought so. Is that right? <laughs> I don't say yeah. good English. I would have thought so. Thought so. It's yeah, fine. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Any any time somebody says it's fine, I just see the little fiery guy sitting in his little thing and everything's on fire going, it's fine. <laughs> so many people say it's fine and it's fire in my head every time I hear somebody say it's fine. It's just fire now. <laughs> anyway. Digitaloutbox.com for more <laughs> insights. <laughs> Info at digitaloutbox.com if you want to figure out what the heck we're talking about. Twitter, Digital Outbox. I am on che- Twitter as Cheesy UK. Uh, Ian, where do we find you? Uh, iandick.com lovely and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks it will be fine this is fine that's the actual thing it says this is fine but honestly anytime i hear it's fine or this is fine it's fire i just can't